you suffer from arthritis or have weak joints? Is it making your life hard? Shark Tech, nature's best kept secret for strong joints and a powerful immune system. Shark Tech, the product with bite. Visit us at www.sharptech.org. expressed on this program by its guests do not necessarily reflect the views or beliefs of the host or radio network. In this program's sole intent is to help educate, foster critical debate, and help raise and discuss political and social issues which already exist in the public domain. Thank you and enjoy the program. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen and listeners to the Alternate Current Radio Network. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. This is a special edition, the Midweek Wire special report. This is our inaugural report. We're streaming out live on the Alternate Current Radio Network, and we are joining uh, thousands of listeners, hopefully out there, uh, on the ACR stream and we have an important broadcast which we're going to break down a very important subject the uh crisis uh, ongoing crisis which is the russian uh airliner uh which is was down last week uh you would have been living on another planet not to know that uh this is what's happening around the world so if you uh are listening on acr if you're in the chat room thank you for joining us this is a late uh broadcast uh, and sort of a last-minute uh, thing that we've done, and uh, hopefully uh, this works out okay. We're going to be broadcasting for the next, uh, probably the next 45 or 50 minutes, and we're going to be covering uh, a lot of different aspects of this particular uh, this particular uh, situation, basically, is the best way to describe it. So um, we uh, where do we start? Well, let's look at the news coverage so far. Uh, we have a uh, we got another a number of mainstream media outlets that uh, have been putting out various talking points about this. Now, if you tuned into Twenty First Century Wire, you would have seen first the uh, the reports that we filed last week uh, when this particular crisis hit, and um, so we we published a report back 
on the 31st last weekend. And we were the first media outlet to basically put out uh, something to counter what looked to be a bogus claim that uh, ISIS or a Egyptian Sinai affiliate had taken uh, responsibility for this downing of this Russian aircraft. Now, the the airline we're talking about is Metro Airlines. Uh, so this was Flight 7K9268, which uh, on the 30th, um, I believe, crashed uh, in the Sinai Peninsula, northern Sinai Peninsula, approximately 60 miles from the Israeli border. Now, originally, there was no suspicion of a terrorist incident, and then a, a ISIS, or a group claiming to be an ISIS affiliate, uh, Wilayat Sinai, they're called, uh, uh, supposedly an affiliate stroke franchise of ISIS, if you can believe that. Um, they put up a video, which they tweeted out uh, on their social media accounts, uh, and this showed... Uh, someone shouting something, you know, the, the usual Allah Akbar, uh, shooting it on his cell phone, and you see a plane in the distance, you see a puff of smoke, and their claim, that's their first claim that they had shot down a plane. Now, we're told that the plane was cruising at 31,000 feet, so automatically you can discount this video because the plane was way too big. Uh, to be at 30, 31,000 feet to be filmed on this guy's iPhone, what it looked like. Uh, so it was completely bogus. Yet, yet uh, this is the talking point that the U.S. media is still running with, and it's an all-out blitzkrieg right now, if you've been following uh, any of the coverage, especially on CNN, which we'll get to in a minute. So we kind of debunked that video when it first came out last week, um, while a bunch of other alternative media outlets were busy posting it and saying ISIS is taking credit, we debunked it straight away. Uh, and so this leaves uh, a few possibilities with regards to this crash. We're going to explore some of those uh, later in this broadcast. Now, quite obviously, there's possi very much a possibility that the plane was shot down, but it couldn't have been done with a Stinger missile or what they call a man pad, or an Eric's uh, NATO issued um, Eric's shoulder launching uh, missile. Uh, so it, it's it, too far, too high, out of range. Uh, it could have been done with a more sophisticated SAM system, uh, like the system they uh, alleged shot down flight MH17 about um, you know, nearly 18 months ago. Uh, over the Ukraine, eastern Ukraine, uh, but a lot of different surface-to-air missile systems are available that could could have done that. Uh, do ISIS have such a system? You have to remember these systems require five to six people to operate, uh, trained people, and this is this is a military grade in terms of uh, equipment, staffing, know-how. It's so it's you can pretty much rule out that it's uh, Bedouin terrorists uh, running around in Toyotas and camels. Uh, so that's not it has it was so it couldn't have been shot down by ISIS. Um, I think that's a pretty fair fair to say. The next possibility would be a bomb on board. Now this is the talking point which. The United States uh, and Britain are pushing 
uh, quite heavily over the last 48 hours. This is the thing that I'm most concerned about, that many of you should be concerned about, because they uh, this is a, pre- a potentially a pretext to something. Um, now, just on the front of the bomb, we'll explore aspects of that in a minute, but you should know that if there was a bomb on board, uh, forensic investigators would be able to determine that pretty quickly. In other words, it wouldn't be a big mystery if there was a bomb on board that caused the breakup of this airplane at any point. Um, And it wouldn't take much of a bomb uh, as soon as a crack appeared or uh, the the sheer force and speed of the aircraft at 31,000 feet and the pressure um, if any of the structural integrity of this airplane was compromised, uh, it would rip to pieces uh, in mid-flight. So... Looking at the forensics, you'd be able to tell quickly if there was a bomb. Now, uh, is, it, it, would it be C4 explosives? Would it be some sort of uh, uh, incendiary? There's many different ways that you could build a bomb. Uh, shape charges, yes, that's possible too. Uh, but again, um, I think most forensic investigators would be able to determine that pretty quickly. So if that's the case, then it should show up on the evidence. Um is it possible a bomb was planted on the plane? Absolutely. Absolutely it's possible. Is that what happened? We don't know. We don't know. But right now you have the president, everyone from the president to the prime minister of Britain, uh, basically saying that it's probably, maybe, could be a bomb. Okay. So the next possibility is uh, mechanical failure. Is it possible that there's a mechanical failure? Notice that when I spoke about a bomb, I didn't say who placed the bomb on board. I think that's really important. Um, so I'm not saying ISIS placed it or Al-Qaeda or, or an affiliate uh, in the Sinai uh, or, you know, the CIA or uh, Mossad or anybody else who's um, in the intelligence clandestine world because it could be any of those, not just ISIS. And when I, when I tell you what's at stake here, uh, in terms of uh, the current potential realignment of the global power structure and lines of power, then you'll know that uh, this is not out of the realms of possibility at all, um, that this could there could be clandestine agencies at work here. In fact, I would say, based on history, looking at what we know about the Lockerbie bombing over Scotland, which was blamed on Gaddafi. Of course, he didn't do it. That came out eventually, although it's still denied uh, by most of the mainstream media, in the same way that the mainstream media is denying that uh, the first World Trade Center bombing uh, was an FBI operation. And, of course, it was. And that's... um, that's real history, by the way. So the same with Lockerbie. So you see what's at stake here. Um, we would say I'd be very cautious about apportioning blame right now, uh, especially before any investigation's been done. And it's exactly what the Russian officials have said. They've said, look, it's possible it could have been a bomb, but we haven't concluded our investigation and, of course, they're going ballistic in the United States. Oh, we can't wait for you and so forth. We'll go over those talking points. So the last possibility is one that isn't going to get any airtime at all, uh, but it's just as probable as uh, ISIS setting off a bomb or shooting the plane down. Okay, that is that this particular model of Airbus, um, the A321, I believe, Airbus jetliner, 
is equipped uh, as as a standard with a uninterruptible autopilot system. Okay, this isn't a conspiracy theory. This is real. Uh, just put in Google Boeing uninterruptible autopilot or Boeing and Airbus uninterruptible autopilot, and you will quickly find some reference material. Some of which is at Twenty First Century Wire, uh, detailed schematics and uh, patent numbers as well. Uh, Boeing and Honeywell, and so this is the system developed by Boeing and Honeywell, but is also uh, same system uh, available on Airbuses as well. Why do I say this? Because another Airbus of the exact same model, the A321, uh, also crashed in the spring, but this was in the Alps, in the French Alps. This was a German wings flight. Uh, which was the crash was blamed on a co-pilot who they said was suicidal. His name was Andres Lubitz. And believe it or not, of course, you wouldn't be surprised. The exact same talking point has come up that uh, the Russian airlines maybe haven't vetted their pilots for mental issues. Okay, so this is a, a run on from the German wings narrative. Okay, but that that plane uh, gave out no distress call in France and it had a, a steep drop in uh, altitude and uh, no distress calls were made and it just crashed and they said that the pilot was locked out of the cockpit and that's not confirmed either that's all speculation basically that came out through the CNN of all people um, provided a lot of the talking points um, that ran that particular uh, narrative so exact same plane Boeing system uninterruptible system an ATI system, believe it or not, they do have uh, this developed where you can release a uh, gas uh, to calm down the uh, the crew and also even passengers. It can be. Uh, how, how can we tell? We really can't tell at all. So what we can do is we can basically look at the evidence. So uh, is that what happened? I don't know. I don't know, but uh, if you're going to say it was a terrorist attack, uh, you're going to need evidence for that. So, and this is something that we don't have right now, is a huge lack of conclusive uh, evidence for what happened. So, um, now, in, in also in our coverage last week, um, we also gave some uh, detailed uh, investigation, uh, which we gave an analysis about, uh, this is an area, uh, Sinai as well, that is under complete control uh, in terms of the airspace, I would say, especially along the Israeli border uh, of the IDF and the Israeli Air Force. Okay, that's no no big surprise. But there's something else. Uh, there's been a number of uh, cases over the years where the Israeli Mossad, surprise, surprise, being only a few miles the Egyptian uh, seaside resort of Sharm el-Sheikh uh, being a, a kind of a playground for Israeli intelligence. That should come as no surprise to anybody. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit. But we did say that last week, that this is something that people should be looking out for. And uh, I hope that is something that people will consider because it's definitely part of the matrix here. Uh, so has Israel ever been involved in any false flags uh, in that area where they have uh, done a terrorist attack or done a military attack but then tried to blame it on another party? Uh, has that happened in, in history? 
Yes, it has. Uh, we'll start with the USS Liberty incident in 1967. So, yes, Israel has done that before, especially in high stakes. At that time, it, we had the Vietnam War going on as well as uh, the height you know, of the Cold War. So that happened, and that's real. So I, I think that was under Lyndon Baines Johnson, I believe, was was president at that time. I might be stand corrected, 1967. So LBJ was president. Uh, Israel tried to basically blame that on Egypt. They shot up a U.S. military vessel, killed 43 people, tried to shoot the people as they fled, and uh, was hoping to blame that on Egypt to draw the United States into the war um, against the Arab countries on behalf of Israel. Didn't work. Uh, why didn't it work? Well, guess who was only a few miles away and came in to the rescue of the Liberty or who was listening at least uh, a few miles away was guess who? Well, the Soviet Union. So again, the Russians, the Russians averted a world, another world war potentially uh, by intervening and basically um, moving in basically. So uh, that's the whole story that you can go into. But anyway, that is right in the same exact neighborhood as what we see right now. Uh, now, what else was going on at that time? I think it's worth pointing out that on the same day that this happened, uh, Israel hosted its largest ever exercise, International Air Force exercise, that included personnel, uh, American personnel, uh, Greek, uh, Polish air personnel, and squared off against a, quote, fictional enemy uh, in this two-week drill. So this was uh, in and around and overlapping October 30th, believe it or not. So air forces from around the world have gathered in the uh, deep in the Arava Desert in the south of Israel for the past week and a half, taking part in the largest aerial exercise in history of the Israeli Air Force. And this will include uh, listening, um, air traffic, uh, strategic air traffic, a very high-tech um, uh, communications all in place and basically ready to go for this uh, so-called drill. Germany even participated in this. So what does this mean, this giant drill, the same time, same exact place, 40 miles away from where the plane was shot down? Okay, let me repeat that. This is 40 miles away from where the plane was shot down, and this was spearheaded by the Israeli Air Force. Now, wouldn't this be wonderful, great cover if you, let's say, wanted to do a number of things, including hack the plane, uh, hack the uninterruptible autopilot system, shoot down the plane, whatever. You know, take your pick. Who knows? Detonate a bomb remotely uh, via aircraft. It's all possible. It's all possible. So that's what was going on that day. So it's it was supposed to end uh, today. It was a scheduled ending. I don't know if this drill went on as scheduled or if it was after the plane was reported downed, if they then changed the uh, program at all. But someone will say, well, that's no big deal. But if you look at a lot of these major incidents take place around the same time uh, as as major drills, that's the Times of Israel.com, uh, Israeli mainstream media outlet who just reported that. So, um, so then what else, what else have we got? Well, the Russians have suspended certification of, um, new Boeing jetliners. So the agency that's overseeing civil aviation in Russia said today 
that it is suspending the certification of all Boeing 737 planes uh, used by Russian airlines pending resolution of, quote, safety concerns. Okay, so that isn't just a specific aircraft. This is all of them. Okay, so it's that's a similar type of aircraft to the uh, Airbus 321. Okay, so it's a similar range of aircraft. This is what's been announced today. Now, why is this... Why is that significant? Well, that does uh, perhaps support the uh, fly-by-wire uninterruptible autopilot. So, but more, most likely right now of of what happened to this plane, I would say mechanical is definitely uh, a leading uh, possibility because this particular plane had a dodgy landing. I believe it was, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, three or three years ago. And it came down, and the back tail section hit the runway. It was then repaired, but you don't know how well the repair was, and if the if the tail did come off at thirty one thousand feet for whatever reason under stress, that would bust up the rest of the plane, and it would cause a, a, a severe drop in altitude. So again, mechanical failure is more likely. But now let's get to the U.S. media coverage, and what we're what we're witnessing here is. The CNN propaganda machine, okay, this has gone into overdrive in the last 48 hours. So I'm going to run through all of what I've identified as CIA and Pentagon talking points, which they hope they're basically been inserting uh, on the back of this particular tragedy. So this is this is sort of the height of shamelessness, if you will, by the U.S. media and the political establishment, where they're using a tragedy to basically float all of their talking points and then somehow you leverage this particular tragedy to uh, gain some lo- what they believe is lost ground against Russia in the battle for hearts and minds. Uh, so America's at war uh, with Russia if you read through these talking points. So they're, uh, well, it, so let's let's just start from the beginning. So we have uh, two days ago, uh, I believe, U.S. media uh, released the talking point, which was that the uh, there could have been a bomb on board now, and this is because we're, U.S. satellites claim to have seen bright flashes at the, uh, coming from the plane at the time when the exact time when the plane was meant to have uh, dropped in altitude at a rapid rate, okay? At no point have we seen any images of these flashes, okay? We've only been told that they said they saw flashes, okay? That's very important because until I see the satellite, the raw imagery or the data presented on the news, which you would expect that announcement would correspond with the release of satellite images or video or computer imagery uh, that that would show what they're claiming. But we haven't seen that. So this is, as far as I'm concerned, this could be complete gossip that was leaked to start a series of talking points. And more and more, I'm beginning to think that that's what we're looking at. So uh, that's so the f- flash of light, uh, bright flash. Um, heat signature, I heard him call it that as well. Uh, so all these different things. So we haven't uh, had any confirmation that this is actually real. So CNN is at it, as you'd expect. And uh, 
they've got a series of talking points, which I'll I'll tell you what they are. Let's let's hear. It. So this is Jake Tapper from CNN. This was the launch of this particular what I believe is a psyop. Um, we're going to play that. So basically, they're running with this bomb on board. They're speculating like crazy for 48 hours and they'll probably start to pull back Friday morning. They'll probably say, well, there's no, it's not confirmed and we don't want to speculate. They're already start, started saying that today, but, uh, there's a, a lot of double speak going on. So they're saying out of one corner of their mouth, uh, we don't want to, uh, uh, well, we think it's pretty sure, pretty certain that our intelligence sources and the intelligence community say it's it's a, it's fairly certain that the, the, it looks like a bomb, but but we don't want to jump to conclusions. Well, they already jumped to conclusions, okay. So this is uh, the information war warfare. So this is the battle of public relations. So listen to Jake Tapper, and he's going to launch the psyop uh, on Wednesday, I believe. This particular one was launched uh, probably via the Pentagon. Uh, we'll see. But listen to this. That proves to be correct. What U.S. officials are telling CNN that it is most likely an ISIS or ISIS affiliated group that that placed a bomb on the plane. Would this should this significantly alter national security thinking? Well, it, it would certainly alter, I think, uh, the precautions that airlines in the region would have to take. Uh, what we would be advising our own travelers potentially in the region uh, in terms of our efforts uh, in Egypt, in Syria, and Iraq, it probably doesn't change that very much. Uh, the biggest impact, though, may be on Russia. Uh, if ultimately there's some confirmation that ISIS did bring this plane back, uh, b- bring it down, rather, uh, the question would be what impact would that have on Putin, on the Russian psyche, on their uh, willingness to commit even greater forces to the conflict. Uh, that may be the biggest question mark, uh, if that's the case. But again, I'd caution your viewers... Uh, not to jump to any conclusions at this point. We'll know a lot more when those black boxes are analyzed. All right. Adam Schiff, Congressman from the House uh, Armed Sur- the House Intelligence Committee, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate Thanks, it. Much Jay. more on this break. That proves... Okay, so that was Adam Schiff, uh, ranking member of the House Intelligence Committee. I believe he's a Democrat. I believe he's a congressman. And so he just he gave you the double speak at the end. And everything, almost every clip I'm going to play you, you're going to hear the exact same double speak line at the end, which is, uh, this is, looks like this is what's happened, but we don't want to jump to any conclusions. This is classic double speak. Okay. It's never been clearer than now. So Americans are now the world champions in double speak, Orwellian double speak. I think, uh, Russia has a long way to go to ever catch up with how good Washington is in this category right now. So that was that was a member of Congress, okay? And the facilitating this propaganda onslaught of course is CIA NN. So here is Anderson Cooper on Wednesday evening. Uh so basically uh, J- Wolf Blitzer and Jake Tapper run the ball down the field, and then Anderson Cooper picks it up for the evening audiences. So here is Anderson Cooper himself, admittedly uh, trained by the CIA uh, in media matters. Here he is. How are U.S. authorities saying that they got this information, and did they have intelligence about a specific threat prior to the crash? Right. Okay. So U.S. officials are telling CNN that no, they didn't have a specific, credible, timely information about a threat before the crash, before this incident. But in watching this militant activity grow in Sinai, it had caught their attention. And after the crash, the incident, 
they went back, they looked at it, they began to develop more intelligence, more information, and they have been monitoring ISIS chatter, so to speak. We don't know if that cell phone conversation, online postings, uh, ISIS well-known for using very secure chat rooms. The U.S. monitors ISIS communications secretly, covertly, as much as it can, and it does appear that ISIS chatter about this, a claim of responsibility, not a public claim, but some other sort of more covert claim in their chatter is at least a key part of what captured the U.S. attention. Okay, and so this this idea that, that someone at the airport, to use the exact words I think you used, was involved, what does that actually mean? Someone who services the plane, who has access to the plane, not through the passenger screening? Right, well, that's what we don't know. Now, a U.S. official tells me you know, without offering a lot of intelligence detail, they believe it was essentially a conventional explosive, not plastic explosive, not something that could be is so advanced it sneaks past airport detection because there's no metal in it. They think it was fairly conventional, either snuck on board in passenger luggage or by someone, as you say, service personnel who may have had contact with the aircraft. All eyes now focused on that airport, Anderson. All right, Barbara. Okay, so that was Barbara Starr. That was Anderson Cooper uh, talking to Barbara Starr. She is the woman who looks like uh, she runs bingo on Friday night. Uh, she's a CNN's uh, Pentagon correspondent. She has a speech impediment, as do most uh, many of these um, correspondents have lisps and speech impediments for some weird reason. Um, but uh, that's Barbara Starr. And so there she is. She says they say she's the Pentagon correspondent. I I contend that Barbara Starr is a Pentagon spokeswoman. Okay, she is a functionary of the Pentagon. She's never ever. I've never seen her ever challenge the Pentagon, ever, in years. Okay, as far as I've ever watched this. Um, sorry, excuse for a network. Pardon my French, but what I'm going to show you next. Uh, it was just. It's very bombastic. So you can see this is scripted. So Wednesday morning, uh, or sorry, Tuesday evening, they entered onto the script that the U.S. satellite picked up a flash of light. Hasn't been substantiated yet. So that just was put out onto the ether by the United States, uh, Pentagon probably. And then Barbara Starr just introduces ISIS chatter. So this reinforces the flash. There was chatter. They believe that uh, uh, leads them to believe that there was a bomb. And then she says, well, that's what we don't know. We're still, they're developing intelligence. This means that there's a bunch of guys sitting around writing the script, okay, and just putting stuff out and seeing what, what the media will bite, bite on. In the case of CNN, it's very coordinated with the Pentagon, probably, uh, how they release this information, how, how it's scripted. So... Then they said, this, that's what we don't know, says Barbara Starr. And then, then she goes on to speculate more, that they believe it's conventional explosive uh, that was uh, placed in there possibly by an airline. How are they coming up with all of this when they have no, apparently, they haven't been on site, they're not investigating anything. We haven't seen the satellite imagery, okay? And we haven't seen exactly seen the chatter either, okay? We've seen a lot of uh, uh, fake videos on Twitter of them taking credit for it, which was a bogus video, which we debunked and many other people have. So what is this? So we're, we're waiting what ISIS is a credible news source in terms of verifying a terrorist attack. That will be interesting when that day, if that's 
if that's how the U.S. is uh, handling this, is considering ISIS as a source. Believe it or not, they are. And now it's an inside job. So you see how the script's developed. Satellite, ISIS chatter, inside job, airline worker. Okay, all nice and neat. Follow the script. So next, here's CNN uh, expanding on the chatter uh, part of the script. Here we go. To our viewers in the United States and around the world, welcome back to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper. We're going to continue to follow the breaking news here in Washington. The latest U.S. intelligence suggesting that the Metrojet flight that plummeted from the skies was brought down by a bomb delivered to the plane's cargo bay by ISIS or ISIS affiliates. The crash killed 224 people over the weekend, including 25 children. Let's bring in CNN justice correspondent Pamela Brown. Now, Pamela, you have new information on why U.S. officials believe this is almost certainly what happened. That's right. We're learning that some of the intelligence that officials are basing this theory on, this bomb theory on, is chatter that they picked up after the plane went down. This is chatter from ISIS in the Sinai Peninsula uh, that would indicate that perhaps they were responsible for bringing the, pl the plane down. We know that ISIS uh, has already come out and said it was responsible, but now there has been additional chatter picked up. However, I should caution uh, Jake that there hasn't been anything else to corroborate that chatter, such as forensics uh, wreckage with bomb residue on it. And so that is a big reason why U.S. officials are, are being cautious and jumping to any conclusions right now. But I can tell you officials I've spoken to today said it is a significant concern that a bomb was put on this plane or there was a suicide bomber on the plane and that ISIS in the Sinai Peninsula could be responsible. ISIS okay, did you hear that? Suicide bomber. So basically CNN just introduced another uh, bit of confusion in there, a suicide bomber. So adding a little more drama. So we'll add that to our script. Suic I'll write this down, suicide bomber. I'm basically uh, deconstructing the outline of, this, of the whole script. So and I'll be able to read it back to you uh, later. And uh, if we had some staff in our newsroom, which we don't have a newsroom even, we'd be able to put this out online uh, as an article. Uh, but one day we might get there. So let's just listen to this. This is Pamela Brown. She's the quote-unquote justice correspondent uh, talking to uh, J Jake, uh, Jack Tripper, or Jake Tapper, sorry, uh, at CNN. So this is her. She's also got a lisp as well. It's I'm not saying making fun of people with speech impediments, but I just think it's weird that so many of these um, anchors, so-called correspondents, whatever, they've all got this weird lisp. I just odd. Anyway, sorry, a little bit of a bird walk. Here we go. ISIS in the Sinai Peninsula is one of the most active ISIS affiliates. Uh, it has shown bomb-making capabilities, but if it was able to put a bomb on the plane and bring a plane down, this would be an increase in the sophistication. Uh, this would be right up there with something that uh, AQAP could do. Uh, officials I've spoken to today say there has been no evidence thus far that this group has the same capabilities as AQAP and has the sophistication level to do something like this. So this would be pretty significant if, in fact, it did pull this off. Uh, officials I've spoken to say one of the theories they're looking at is that the bomb was actually planted on the plane rather than a suicide bomber because they've looked through the passenger manifest and there aren't any uh, red flags from looking through all the passengers or any connections they may have had to terrorists. So that is why they're looking at this theory that perhaps the bomb could have been placed on the plane and then detonated once it reached a certain altitude, which again would take a certain level of sophistication there. Jake? All right, Pamela Brown, thank you so much. Joining me now, CNN National Security Analyst 
Analyst Bob Barry is a former CIA operative. Bob- okay, get ready for this. This is uh, the quote unquote former CIA operative Bob Bear, a analyst for CNN. And I'll I'll I'll, I'll basically tell you a thing or two about these so-called analysts, experts, and uh, correspondents that uh, they. They have a full rotation of these. And uh, actually, there was a study done by Public Account- Accountability Initiative. I'll publish that up on 21st Century Wire after this broadcast. You can go look at that. That's a watchdog organization that basically said that last year, in the year 2013, when the study was done, 22 different men who claimed to be um, experts uh, were basically stakeholders uh, in the U.S. defense industry uh, with ties, direct ties, either by employment or lobbyists for Raytheon, D.C. Capital Partners, BAE Systems, uh, and others. And these, these are people who are on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, Bloomberg. So they're on there basically to promote wars. So they might as well put their lo- – CNN might as well put its logo on the cruise missiles and sponsor them. And uh, Raytheon should put – I mean, they should sponsor – every bomb and cruise missile, put their logos all over them because that's exactly what we're looking at here, this sort of promotional uh, ring which goes on. So this is Bob Bear. Let me see if we can get him back here. Listen to this. He's not an ex-operative. He is an operative, okay? Bob, thanks for joining us. What do you make of this news, uh, cautioned as it, as it were, with caveats from U.S. intelligence suggesting that they believe ISIS are one of its affiliates in all likelihood, placed this bomb, a bomb, on a Russian airliner over the Sinai Peninsula. Well, Jake, it's looking more and more like they're convinced of it. They don't go on the record like this, Downing Street in U.S. intelligence, saying it was a bomb, unless they have pretty good evidence. Oh, hold on right there, Mr. Bob Bear. Um, they don't go on record unless they have pretty good evidence. Well, I, I, I remember not so long ago, an airliner went down in the Ukraine and both Downing Street and the U.S. State Department came and said they had irrefutable mountain, uh, quote, John Kerry, mountains of evidence that the uh, Russian backed rebels uh, shot down MH17. And we never saw any of this evidence. OK, he called it open source evidence. So YouTube videos, which were all debunked. That was a complete propaganda blitz. If you remember nearly 18 months ago. Uh, Malaysian airline flight MH17 was downed in eastern Ukraine, and both Britain and the U.S. basically said the Russian-backed rebels did it. Okay, immediately. So they did go on. So what Bob Bear is telling you there is a complete lie. Okay, he either is so ignorant of his short-term history, or he is just basically trying to pump the party line into your brain uh, as hard and as fast as possible. Let's hear what else he has to say. Uh, and by the way, a lot of this chatter doesn't make sense until after the event occurs. So they could have seen signs of this. It wasn't actionable intelligence, but the plane goes down. Uh, they, they see that heat signature over the Sinai, and it's, you know, the evidence is mounting. And, and the fact that Sharm el-Sheikh's airport is not particularly secure. Okay, there's another talking point. Sharm el-Sheikh airport is not particularly secure. Okay, that is a pejorative statement, again, by the CIA operative known as Bob Bear. Um, 
we he doesn't uh, know exactly how effective the security at Sharm el Sheikh is. If it's any less effective than any U.S. airport, okay. And this is a talking point you're going to see released on Thursday today, earlier today, which was uh, basically bringing this into the U.S. conversation. They've now made the TSA a big part of this incident somehow. So again, Bob Bear is is reading the script. Uh, flash of light, heat signature from U.S. Uh, then internet chatter, and then inside job, which we said uh, just now. So the Bob Bear is following the script and reinforcing it perfectly. And what these each of these experts, as they bring them on throughout the day, uh, each one will introduce a new point, a new talking point, or a sub-talking point. Pamela Brown uh, introduced the suicide bomber sub-talking point, which is uh, kind of a subtext to the bomb. Uh, talking point. So Bob Bear will also introduce a few new talking points as well. But I'd also like to add that in what everybody seems to be missing is in 2003, the, the world's most adept airplane bomber was in Baghdad, and a lot of his equipment was 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 taken, and, and including explosives, by Iraqi intelligence officers, many of whom right now are working with the Islamic State. So now this is just a total hypothesis, but the possibility they took this technology and took it to the Sinai to take down a Russian airplane. We can't rule out. I mean, ISIS can ramp up its sophistication very quickly because it has widespread support across the Middle East, including people know what they're doing when it comes to terrorism. Bob Bear, very quickly, if you could, how sophisticated a bomb maker need one be to get a bomb onto a, a flight like this in a place like Sharm el-Sheikh? Uh, with a timer, you can even get through security very easy. I asked a technician who, who reconstructs these bombs, and I said, you know, like, for instance, TSA, what is the chances of getting a bomb through a very a good airport security? He said about 65%. 65% good airport security. Bob Barrett, thank you so much. Stay tuned to CNN. Wolf Blitzer is going to have a lot more. Okay, so there, uh, Bob Bear, I spoke to a technician who deconstructs these types of bombs, okay? <laughs> I bet they even had technicians uh, on staff uh, or working on the CIA payroll that make those kind of bombs, not just deconstruct them. So, of course, Bob has great contacts because, uh, of course, he's a former intelligence operative. So he then introduces another sub-talking point to the script, which is that there could have been a theft of technology from uh, an Iraqi uh, source. And then that was brought to the Sinai Desert to bring down a Russian plane. So, again, Bob introduces another. So this is all designed. These are the three Ds. Okay, so this is this is a disinformation operation. I think we're looking at here. Um, you know, we'll find out. It, the truth will be borne out eventually. Okay, maybe in a very long time from now. But I think, in my opinion, I, I can't. I can't. It's maybe for some people, it's too early to make a conclusive uh, statement here. But you know, I'll go out on a limb. Sure, I think we're looking at a disinformation operation here, uh, and it's powerful and it is absolutely relentless. And it's, a, it's what I call, okay, I'm going to patent a new term to go with all the others. Uh, this is what I call 3D, uh, 3D, this is a 3D operation, okay? It's actually a 4D. Disinformation is, is the first one. The other D is dis distract, uh, distort, and deflect. So disinformation, distract, distort, deflect. This is a 4D psyop. Okay, this is typically what the media does. This is what the CNN 
propaganda machine is and does. So it's really gone into overdrive the last 48 hours, very much like MH17. But this is a lot more sophisticated and multi-layered because we have, you know, real situations that are ongoing uh, in Syria and also a number of other layers, clandestine layers with ISIS and al-Nusra and the United States and all the different players uh, involved in the Syrian conflict. So I'm not calling it a civil war because it's not a civil war. It's a conflict. Anyone who calls it a civil war uh, is mislabeling it, okay? Uh, So here's, again, Pamela Brown's back now to uh, basically reinforce the ISIS talking points here. She's could could very well be a Pentagon media operative or CIA, I'm not sure, but go ahead and listen to this. ISIS in the Sinai Peninsula has shown bomb-making capabilities before, but if the terrorists are responsible for smuggling a bomb aboard this flight, it would mark a significant step in their capabilities to launch further attacks. At this point, we don't have enough information uh, to make our own determination about what exactly occurred. Uh, But we do have enough uh, information at this point to uh, not rule out uh, the possibility of terrorist involvement. There is no indication so far that passengers or crew aboard the flight had any connection to terror groups. So investigators are looking at a possible inside job, an unsophisticated bomb planted by an employee at Egypt's Sharm el-Sheikh airport. Other than someone physically being on the plane initiating the device, uh, we're really kind of limited to either a timing situation or a barometric pressure switch uh, uh, bringing down an aircraft. Tonight, Egypt and Russia are still pushing back, saying it's too soon to know if terrorism was a play. And no final assessment has been made by U.S. officials about the cause, and that likely won't happen until forensic evidence and results from the black boxes are available. So while there is concern about a bombing, no one is jumping to conclusions. Wolf? Pamela, thank you. Our Pentagon correspondent, Barbara Starr, has been working her sources. Barbara. Okay, when you hear them say working their sources, CNN does this a lot, where, are, where they're working their sources. This is, this is a very, for me, it's ridiculous by now. And for those who listen to the Sunday Wire on Sundays, uh, you'll think it's equally ridiculous. But they're not working their sources, okay? This makes it sound like they're real journalists. And how, you know, how can I say that these are, you have to call these media operatives and not journalists. And I'll tell you why. Why, Why I'm using that sort of language to describe these people we're hearing. Because if they were journalists, they would be asking questions, okay? Journalists ask questions. Journalists challenge government spokespeople like Josh Ernest, okay? Operatives repeat government talking points, okay? Let me repeat that for those of you who didn't get that the first time around. Journalists ask questions. They challenge government spokespeople, okay? They challenge government talking points. Operatives repeat government talking points. So this is Barbara Starr, Pamela Brown operatives. They just repeat government talking points. They'll throw Bob Bear in there as well, but he's he's obviously an operative because it's on his job title. But go ahead and hear is Barbara Starr. When you hear Barbara Starr, when they when they throw her in, this is basically imagine the Pentagon is talking to you directly. Okay, you have got a hotline that you've got a bat phone to the Pentagon. That is Barbara Starr. Okay, listen. Tell us more about the nature of this possible ISIS communications connection that the U.S. intelligence community has been scrutinizing. 
Well, Wolf, what we are learning is U.S. intelligence, U.K., British intelligence services, all scrutinizing every piece of information they have. One of the keys here that they are looking at is this chatter that was monitored very soon after the plane w fell out of the sky, very soon after this crash. What they believe is they picked up chatter involving ISIS in Sinai, an ISIS affiliate operating in Sinai, communicating in some fashion with another element of the terrorist network. They believe that they were boasting, if you will, with very specific information about the bomb, the airplane, and the attack. They're not exactly saying why, U.S. government officials, that is, that they're not dismissing that as just simply a boast, uh, as terrorist groups often claim responsibility for attacks. This message, however, was not a public claim of responsibility. The U.S. monitored it in classified U.S. channels, uh, not something that the U.S. Classified U.S. channels. So let me think. That's uh, Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat. Okay, moving on. Was meant to hear by ISIS in Sinai. So very much okay. a focus trying to figure out what all of that means. It is one clue. It is one important clue. But as Pamela was just saying, it is not the entire solution to this very disturbing puzzle. Is, is there pretty much, though, a consensus what you're hearing in the U.S. intelligence community, Barbara? No, I don't think that there is at this point, actually. You talk to people, and I think all of us at CNN are talking to our sources across the government, and you, you hear... Uh, Never once will you ever hear them ever say who their sources are, okay? This isn't like Woodward and Bernstein, okay, doing Watergate, okay? This is like should be open uh, public statements, you know, public domain stuff, okay? This isn't Nixon um, hiding funds, okay? So when they're talking about their sources, their sources, this is bogus. They're told what to say, and they come on CNN and they say it, okay? They're, if, if their sources, I, I want accountability with, this, with these so-called sources. They do this all day, every day. Never once do they ever say the name of the person who made this claim. So it's basically coming out of nowhere. It's coming out of a fog somewhere that's, that's hanging over Washington, D.C., and they're just talking to Deep Throat all day, every day about very germane public domain stuff. It's ridiculous. This is because no one wants to take ownership for all of this, pardon my French, bullshit, okay? This, this lets them completely off the hook by Wolf Blitzer saying, what are your sources saying? Working your sources, okay? This isn't top secret stuff. They're just making wild guesses and giving you a script about what they, are, what they want you to think uh, happened here before they back off this story altogether, which they might start doing uh, on Friday. This differing view, and you hear the basic caution. The evidence, the intelligence suggests... What evidence? What intelligence? So mythical evidence and intelligence suggests we're back to MH17 all over again. Okay? What evidence? What intelligence? I'll go back further than MH17. Let's go back to Iraq. There's a lot of great intelligence there. Okay? We could start there and work our way forward, actually, if you want. But we don't have time. I think that's all pretty much received history by now. But people have very short memories. Okay, we'll finish off here with uh, with Poker Alice.
Barbara Starr at the Pentagon. Bomb, as the British have said, potentially, in their view, more likely than not. But every step of the way, it's very important, I think, to say we still hear the caution until the U.S. can get its hands on the actual physical evidence, if they ever can. The, uh, the evidence of the wreckage, it will be very difficult to come to a definitive conclusion. And there is a lot of concern behind the scenes that the Russians and the Egyptians provide that evidence to the world that everybody shares what they have. That is a big concern as well of the Egyptian and Russian governments. Oh, so there is the next part of our script. Thank you, Barbara Starr. So there is the talking point, which is that Russia might be hiding evidence from the rest of the world. So until the U.S. gets its hands on the wreckage, gets its hands on the evidence. So they're, they're, in her statement, the subtext is she's discrediting the Russians. Okay, and then what they've done in other reports is recycle. They, they're blaming Russia for uh, OECD and uh, airline uh, investigators uh, denying them access to the uh, wreckage of MH17 uh, in eastern Ukraine, uh, eight, you know, eight, almost almost 18 months ago. So, and again, Russia didn't have any any role in that. That was that happened in the Ukraine actually, and there happened to be a war going on like a real civil war uh, going on there at that time. So it's like a little bit of a problem there, uh, getting people into the war zone to uh, go through and sift through the wreckage of this airplane. So they're rehashing that. So again, marrying this to MH17, but doing it in a subliminal way uh, to sort of infer uh, that there was some wrongdoing at MH17 on the, on the part of Russia, and now already apportioning blame to Russia for not allowing U.S. investigators. So they... They're, they're trying to discredit Russia's investigation abilities, uh, their know-how, their expertise, and so forth, and they'll continue to do that. That's not the end of it. So, so there you go. That's, again, part of the script. Russia is somehow gaming the crash site and not allowing the uh, Captain America to come in and uh, inspect uh, the evidence because, uh, of course, we can get, uh, you know... Um, Horatio from CSI Miami to get it, you know, let Horatio from CSI Miami in there to take a proper look and find out who really did this, which terrorist group really did it, right? This is, this is sort of the way American brains work that spend too much time in front of the TV. Okay, now moving this, Wolf Blitzer's going to move this into a U.S. theater. He's got a Homeland Security, uh, ranking committee member, I believe, uh, Mike McCall. He's going to talk to Wolf. More speculation here. And again, working the Russian talking points now. Now we're putting Russia into a corner now. We've we've gotten this far in the script. Now it's time to, to lay in on Russia. Hold on. At the Pentagon, joining us now is the chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee, Republican Congressman Mike McCall of Texas. Mr. Chairman, thanks very much for coming in. The president says it's certainly possible that there was a bomb on board. Can you share with us what you're hearing? Well, I, I agree with him. I, I think all the indicators uh, point towards the fact uh, that this is uh, very likely ISIS-related, a bomb uh, on the airplane. You can't rule out the fact that the tail of the aircraft may have uh, broken off as it uh, had weaknesses prior to that. Uh, but uh, it seems to me that all the indicators lean towards this being an ISIS-related event. This was Okay, so there's the double speak there, if you listen closely. He, he said what is probably the most likely explanation, which is the tail came off in mid-flight, which had been damaged on a previous flight. Okay, this would be obviously the top possibility. 
if if I was investigating or in charge, I would say, okay, let's put that one at the top because that's more likely. We ha- actually have some sort of a um, you know a, a progressive timeline that we can look at of events here. So, but what he's doing there, double double talk, that'll come out of the right side of the mouth, and now the left side will be much more wide open and louder, which will be there was a bomb on board. Okay, so let's listen to our Homeland Security uh, Committee uh, ranking member, Mike McCall. It be the largest terrorist attack on the aviation sector uh, since 9-11. It's a, it's a- okay, so there's the next part of our script. They've introduced 9-11. So this will be the largest terrorist attack since 9-11. So put that on our script. That's uh, number six, 9-11. So this is introduced by Mike McCall. So everyone does their little part in this game. Everybody adds their little bit to the script, and CNN just builds this up over 48 hours. Here's the rest. A huge development if, in fact, there was a bomb. And when you say ISIS, you mean ISIS in Sinai, ISIS in Syria based in Raqqa, an affiliate of ISIS, a supporter of ISIS, Al-Qaeda. Is there a specific group that uh, the U.S. is focusing in on? That's the interesting thing. It's usually Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula uh, are the bomb makers, and that's the crown jewels of the aviation sector. Um, what we're seeing here, they're more. This is more of an ISIS-related event. It, it appears to be uh, coming out of Egypt, and of course, they uh, have communications uh, out of Raqqa in, in Syria. Uh, but I, I will say, it, it is too early to conclude uh, anything. Uh, I, I know the investigators are on the ground, the black box, the forensics. Um, so it is a little too early to conclude. But my gut, as a former uh, counterterrorism official. Uh, my gut's been all along that, that this is a um, ISIS-related uh, event with a, a bomb on an airplane. So you're taking their their boasts, their claims seriously. Well, they don't always come out and claim ownership, and they they did in this case. And the fact that uh, they they declared war on Russia, ISIS did just recently after Russia invaded Syria, and the fact that it was headed towards St. Petersburg, uh, there was virtually no uh, time for the pilot to uh, send a distress signal and. I think the, uh, the, the, um, the satellite technology showed there was a, a heat uh, blast uh, on this airplane. All those indicators seem to point towards a bomb. All right, so you oversee the Department of Homeland Security. You oversee the TSA. What should they be doing right now based on the, if, in fact, this was a bomb that was planted on this commercial airliner? Well, I, I talked to Secretary Johnson. Uh, he's looking at TSA procedures, particularly overseas. And I think it's important to uh, tell the American people Okay, so there they just entered uh, number seven, chapter seven on the script, which is uh, TSA. So because of this alleged terrorist attack, which they have no proof at all, that it was a bomb or a terrorist attack or ISIS or AQAP or any of it. They are, they're now meeting, uh, Jay Johnson from Homeland Security is uh, meeting to discuss uh, what they need to do, new security measures in the United States. Okay, now... Or worldwide, you know, anywhere where a U.S. plane flies, basically. So DHS, the TSA are now in the frame. So there we go. Thank you, Mike McCall, for adding that little bit to our script. And uh, moving on swiftly. People that uh, any flight coming uh, outside the United States, uh, a direct flight into the U.S., would go through a more heightened uh, screening procedure than what's at, 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 uh, in Egypt. Uh, I think what they are looking at doing is maybe heightening the screening at some of these more hot spots uh, across the world. But you have to have cooperation with the host uh, country uh, to do that. Um, now, having said that, you can have the best screening vetting procedures uh, in the world. 
But if you have an inside uh, job, inside operator who can smuggle something like this onto an aircraft, um, you can't stop that. Because that's the suspicion. So there's the feeling of helplessness. So this is learned helplessness for mainly for American audiences, which is that you can have the best screening in the world, you can have the best security in the world, but you can't stop an inside job. Okay? Don't we know it, Mike McCall? Don't we know it? And in this particular case, in Sharm el someone who was an insider smuggled it either in the cargo or the catering, something along those lines. And that's what we're really worried about is, is the ISIS connection to uh, the airport. Uh, you, you, of course, you had the, the firing of the, the guy. So, so now there's ISIS connection to the airport. This is new. We didn't hear this before. Somehow ISIS is connected to the airport. Is that true? Uh, probably not. So, again, this is just rampant speculation. They'll get to you. They'll build a whole picture. They will paint a mural for you, okay, in 4D or 3D, as we call it, distract, distort, deflect. So they'll do a full mural, mural, mural for you and tell you, bring you all the way down this whole narrative, I mean, with absolute detail. They'll even tell you what size shoe the terrorist is probably wearing, okay? He's probably a size 10 wolf. Okay, let's let him finish up. In charge of the airport at Sharm El Shank, and, and tell, me, so, tell me about that. Well, he was he was fired because of uh, I think of, of what happened. I mean, obviously, if 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 a bomb did get on the airplane, uh, he failed uh, in that test, and so whether it got through the luggage screening, uh, we don't know. I think it would have been picked up by a magnetometer, but the fact is, if there's an inside job going on that involves corruption, uh, that's a very hard thing to stop. There are a lot of specific enemies, not just ISIS or al-Qaeda for that matter, but uh, remnants of the Muslim Brotherhood in Sinai as well, opposed to the Egyptian government, uh, would be more than happy to go ahead and embarrass the Egyptian government. Yeah, it, it's uh, exactly. I think okay, so now it's the remnants of the Muslim Brotherhood have planted the bomb to embarrass the Egyptian government, so blow up a Russian plane to embarrass the Egyptian government. How stupid is Wolf Blitzer? So they're just literally making up, I mean, any kind of combination, any possible per permutation of some sort of a daisy chain of involved. I mean, they just come up with, I mean, I, I, I tell you what, if I was teaching a creative writing course, Wolf Blitzer would probably be my top student, okay? He can come up with this stuff on the fly. Absolutely incredible. Is it true? No, it's not true, Okay. It's not true. They'll make it true, though, by talking about it long enough. That's why the Egyptian government's saying this is not a terrorist event. Russians don't want it to be. They don't want a homeland security issue uh, themselves. The U.K. is basically calling this an ISIS event. Uh, our officials are uh, waiting until all the evidence comes in. I think that's appropriate. Uh, but, you know, this is interesting. If ISIS is now uh, sort of evolving now into bomb making and blowing up airplanes, that's a, a major uh, shift uh, uh, Al-Qaeda is the one that owned that space. If ISIS is doing this, that is a direct uh, threat, I think, not only to uh, to Europe and the Middle East, but to American flights as well. The President of the United States has just spoken out about this. We're going to show our viewers and play for our viewers what he just said. Stand by uh, Mike McCall as the Chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee. Much more with the Chairman right after this. 
Okay, there's Wolf's theme music as well. Um, okay, so there we go. Now it's it's a threat. It's it's a world threat now. Okay, so it's gone from local, regional to now global threat. Now it's affecting U.S. security. Okay, so no evidence at all. We don't know what it is. We don't know how it happened, and they're already heightening the threat level. That's all you need to know. And now uh, Obama has weighed in, but not before David Cameron has weighed in. And uh, if you want to see something funny, well, I want to talk about it. Just Google Guy Fox Knight, uh, David Cameron, and Pig, and see what YouTube video comes up. But here's David Cameron. So David Cameron, maybe sort of, kind of, could be ISIS. Amazing. So listen to, uh, so Cameron basically, this, this is exactly like Iraq and of course the fake chemical weapons attack in Damascus two years ago. They tried to kickstart a war with, uh, what happens is the UK have to lead. So, uh, Britain basically rolls out the carpet and then Obama runs, you know, down the, the field for the glorious touchdown. So they need Britain to basically beat the, open the door for the U.S. to come in. So Cameron's opened the door here. This is why I think that looking at the coordination of this particular operation, media operation, I'm I'm a little bit worried because I know that so Britain's gone and intentionally opened the door here, and then Obama has basically come behind Cameron, uh, and so they've created what looks like a transatlantic consensus. It's very very carefully timed. This was all pre-coordinated. This wasn't done independently. If you think it is, you're incredibly naive. So here we go with uh, the British Prime Minister saying it might have been maybe most likely sort of kind of possibly ISIS. Just past the bottom of the hour, you're watching CNN. I'm Brooke Baldwin. Russian President Vladimir Putin is stressing the claims about what caused that uh, Russian passenger plane, the Metrojet Flight 9268, to go down over Egypt uh, should be based on information from the official investigation. He talked today with uh, the British Prime Minister, David Cameron, about the crash. We're told uh, Cameron explained why Britain temporarily suspended all flights into and out of Sharm el-Sheikh uh, airport just as a precaution. Both leaders agreed they face a common threat from terrorism. So joining me to discuss uh, is Jill Doherty, a researcher for the International Center for Defense and Security, very familiar with uh, uh, Russian policy and Putin. So let me just begin with, uh, I feel like we haven't really talked enough, Jill, about who who was on board that plane, um, the passengers, uh, Russians, and, and how important will it be for uh, how Putin will react, support them domestically, optics here? Yeah. Well, you know, I was looking, um, in fact, last night at a website that has photographs of most of the people who died in that crash. And, you know, they're middle class, average people. A lot of them are young, you know, born like in the 70s and 80s. And there were little kids, as you know. And so they're really the type of people you know, who kind of think for themselves more. They were there were pictures of people on vacation, people drinking wine. People drinking wine. These were Russians that kind of think for themselves. Isn't that a weird comment? But none of these comments are by accident. Make no mistake about it. So that woman you're ta listening to, her name is Jill Doherty, and she is supposed to be a, quote, researcher for, guess who, for basically a Pentagon-linked think tank called the International Center for Defense and Security. Okay? I can't imagine who funds that think tank could it be u.s defense contractors 
and oil companies? Probably yes. Go ahead and Google it, or if you can find out their funding on SourceWatch, you'll find out so who she's speaking on behalf of in reality. So she's now basically twisting this in a very clever way to think that these were uh, these were these were special Russians who got killed and who uh, shouldn't have died, and they, they're middle-class people who can think for themselves. Um, very condescending, very patronizing, unbelievable. And she's talking with Brooke Baldwin, who is uh, CNN's resident, I don't know. She's She comes across as a little bit of uh, an airhead sometimes, but um, she's totally out of her depth talking about this so she'll stick to the script basically go ahead listen people scheme so this is the middle class you know mm-hmm. and so having this happen i i was thinking president putin right at the beginning of this operation in syria said we're going to hit them in syria so they won't hit us back here at home and in a way although obviously it happened in egypt they did or if this if this is terrorist if if this is a terrorist attack, so she's already basically done the whole kit and caboodle, done the whole sort of fiction that uh, ISIS has hit the Russians now. So Putin's got his just desserts. Enter that onto the script. Thank you, Miss Jill Doherty. Russia got what it deserved. That's part of that's the subtext of what she said there. So Russia is now suffering as a result of getting involved. Uh, with America's war in Syria that was supposed to be for Americans only, U.S. coalition, the war against ISIS, which has been going on for a year and a half and hasn't stopped ISIS at all. In fact, they've somehow amazingly grown stronger during the time the U.S. is meant to be bombing them for over a year. Okay, And ISIS never declared war on the U.S., funny enough just like they've never declared war in Israel. But somehow, Russia's been in the game for two or three weeks, and they've declared war on Russia. Isn't that interesting? That should tell you whose side ISIS is on or who's managing ISIS. Let's listen to some of the rest of this. They hit at home, in a way, by hitting, striking average Russians. So that raises the question. Yeah. So So what are the Russian people going to do? Well, I think there are two things. They can either rally round the flag, which is really what happened to Americans at, after 9-11, or, um, and, and that means rallying round Putin, which a lot of people already do based on the polls, or they can say, this man is supposed to protect us, why isn't he protecting us? So I think it has you know, serious connotations for President Putin, his standing in the country, etc. So then with regard to Putin and Syria and uh, potential rallying, uh, we know what's already happening with Russia in Syria. But would this just lead Putin to, forgive me, bomb the hell out of, you know, uh, Raqqa, the ISIS stronghold? I mean, what do you see looking forward Putin's game would be? Yeah, well, remember. Okay, there's the airhead, Brooke Baldwin. I'm sorry, I'm going to call her an airhead because she doesn't have a clue what she's talking about. So basically, if you're flip, if you're at home, this is uh, you know sort of housewives flipping around watching The View with Whoopi Goldberg, and then that's exactly right. You can watch then flick to CNN and see Brooke Baldwin. So that's this is her audience. Okay, so basically saying what what's Putin doing here? What's Putin want? What's Putin going to do? They, they're basically trying to personalize the whole country of Russia in all its sophistication and population and boil it down to one person, which is Putin. Okay, 
This is a tactic which has been deployed by the U.S. and Western media operatives and politicians for a long time. And this is designed to demonize a country, a whole country, and blame them for having a, uh, the wrong leader and basically will eventually call for regime change of that leader, which they do on a regular basis. So here's the rest of it. During the Chechen War, which is really you know, when he became the president, the Chechen War, that breakaway region in Russia, was in full flush. And what he said was, we're going to wipe them out in the outhouse. That's basically a quote by President Putin. He takes a very tough line. So if this were to turn out to be terrorism, then I would predict that he would also really take it to uh, the terrorists. Now, if it's ISIS, that would be one thing. You know, there has been a little bit of movement more um, looking, uh, uh, attacking ISIS, at least by the Syrian troops. But I would predict a very harsh response by President Putin. Okay, so the, the, basically this is a three, this is a three-sided talking point. Okay, this is a prism. This one. So this is this is a very sophisticated talking point, and you need very skilled media operatives in order to spin this. Okay, it's three-sided, and I'll tell you how it's constructed. This particular three-sided prism dialectic which they've constructed is that the 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 face the side facing you right now is that uh isis has hit back at russia or hit back at putin if you want to use uh this think tank ladies uh terminology it's hit back as revenge against russia this so this airline is a terrorist attack it's a revenge attack against russia by isis for bombing them in syria okay that's that's what you see now if you if you rotate that prism slightly you can see a related talking point which is a variation of that which is that uh that russia will become angry by this attack and therefore will be drawn further into the conflict in syria by wanting to hit isis even harder and wanting to escalate now the u.s can use this talking point to their advantage and they can springboard off this like like a wrestler bounces off the ropes in the ring and use that to basically leverage some energy towards the uh, talking point, which will be very popular, which is that this uh, Syria is Russia's Afghanistan. It's the next Afghanistan. It's a repeat of Afghanistan for Russia when it was Soviet Union was drawn into Afghanistan in 1979, 1980 by Zbigniew Brzezinski in the United States when the creation of the Mujahideen and were cross-border incursions attacking Russia, trying to pull it in, eventually pulled it into Afghanistan into sort of occupying positions uh, and sustained great losses. It's a more complex than that, and I don't want to uh, oversimplify that conflict, but um, we that can be discussed at a later date. So the third part of this prism is that um, this will hurt Putin at home, and this is the one that they eventually want to rotate around. So this is a very sophisticated three-sided prism talking point and they want to rotate that around eventually be able to say that look this is really bad russia is being dr drawn into a uh, quagmire in syria and look it's hurting putin at home the russian people are unhappy and then cnn can rotate its cameras to like 10 people with signs protesting and say that that's a, a big anti-war movement look for that in the coming weeks uh in the run-up to christmas is uh, the west will organize an anti-war movement.
uh, in Russia. And there will only be a handful of signs or people. I don't know where it will take place. Maybe at embassies in London, at the Russian embassy, it'll be whatever. But look out for that one. I would say that would be on my Christmas list of things I would expect. So that that's kind of what you're dealing with there. Very sophisticated stuff. And just bear in mind, again, I'm going to repeat, this is all spun on the back of a completely speculative um, orgy of speculation by the U.S. and Western media. But we'll hear the rest of this. So far, though, we've had strong statements even before this U.S. intelligence and Barbara Starr's reporting, you know, that it that it's looking like terrorism, that it's looking like ISIS planning a bomb. You have, you know, the U.K. and U.S. saying one thing uh, and, and Russia and Egypt. This is this is a resort area. This is this it wouldn't be good right. for Egypt, obviously, for this to be a bomb. But why do you think Russia hasn't come forward and say said this is it? Well, they're saying legally they can't. Uh, because the country that is leading the investigation, namely Egypt, is the one that's supposed to be talking about this. Remember, a lot of this information is coming from leaks. So the Russians are saying, you know, officially we can't say anything. And, then- and why is Russia doing that? Why would Russia uh, try to be polite in diplomatic um, methods and behavior with Egypt? Because it doesn't want to make Egypt look bad. Okay. Notice how the U.S. and Britain don't give a sh- you know what. They'll just go and speculate about it. They don't care about the investigation. They don't care about the evidence. They just want to get their propaganda points out, float them out there long enough in the public domain that it sinks into your little brains, okay, or the little brains of people, and then the damage is done, the talking points have been inserted, and then they will withdraw from this whole scripted charade, and they will leave it as a running mystery, to never be solved, but it will be planted in the backs of people's heads forever, basically. If not, they can produ- if they can produce a patsy, that will be fantastic. But again, with Russia and Egypt running point on the investigation, the U.S. won't be able to control or Britain won't be able to control uh, all the fakery. And also, I think they want to be very sure. You know, Putin, interestingly, Mr. Putin is always on the news in Russia. And he has not been out there publicly except for a print statement by the Kremlin about this. But he hasn't really made any public statements, no address to the nation, nothing. Yes, he has, actually. He's made a number of statements uh, to the press. So I have no idea what she's, what planet that woman is living on, Jill Doherty, from the military-industrial complex uh, propaganda mill known as the International Center for Defense and Security. What a joke! You can't believe that these people... So how they draw a six-figure salary, these people, but they're being paid by the defense industry. That's how they make their living. So they go out and they talk... Talk up a war, talk up the security threat, talk up the Al-Qaeda threat, talk up the ISIS threat, anything to keep this gravy train going, okay? So now Obama says, yes, it's possible. So now the news headline now is president announces he believes it's possible it was a bomb. That is a news headline now in 2015. How far we've come in civilization you're almost wanting to you're wanting to return to the 20th century sometimes when you hear this. Listen to this. Series of radio interviews earlier today, but in an interview uh, with the CBS radio station KIRO in Seattle with the reporter Dave Ross, uh, the president said, as you just mentioned a few moments ago, that it is possible that there was a bomb on board that plane. Here's more of what the president had to say. I think there is a possibility 
that there was a bomb uh, on board. Uh, and uh, we're taking that very seriously. Uh, you know, we know that uh, the procedures we have here in the United States are different than some of the procedures that uh, existed uh, for outbound and inbound flights there. Uh, okay, that's their CEO Obama has the script, the same exact script as CNN. He's working script points. So that was uh, uh, security is lax at Sharm El Sheikh. That was a talking point which is inserted earlier the previous day so obama's just picking up on that talking point again everything's built on rampant speculation go ahead barack uh, and uh, we're going to spend a lot of time just making sure that uh, our own investigators and our own intelligence community uh, figures out exactly what's going on before we make any definitive uh, pronouncements but <laughs> so there's again the double talk uh, it's uh, we're pretty sure it's a bomb, but you know we don't want to make any speculative remarks before we're absolutely sure what's going on. So they let the cat out of the bag, and then they tell you that the cat's still in the bag, basically. But what it is, it's a wet paper bag, basically. The cat pissed in in, in a paper bag. The cat pissed in the paper bag. It's a wet paper bag. The cat's out of the bag, okay? But they're telling you the cat's still in the bag. It's 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 amazing. So this is classic doublespeak. Again, they're all doing it, every single one. I I had the Cameron clip. Hopefully, we'll, I, I'll try to find that. But the uh, Cameron did it as well, too beautifully. And um, I don't know if we'll we'll hear Cameron say it, but it's the same as Obama. It's like they've got the same sort of printout they're reading from. Uh, it is certainly possible uh, that there was a bomb on board. And it sounds like there, Wolf, uh, according to what the president is saying, that uh, that the U.S. may be stepping up its role in terms of what its investigators, what the intelligence community uh, might be doing to get to the bottom of what happened to that plane. Up until this point, uh, White House officials have been saying that U.S. investigators would not really be that involved, that they would be uh, essentially keeping in touch with their counterparts in Egypt and in Russia. Uh, but, Wolf, one other thing we should point out here at the White House press briefing earlier today, the White House uh, press secretary, Josh Earnest, was very doubtful. Uh, as to whether or not Russia could uh, really carry out a credible investigation uh, referring to what happened to that Malaysian airliner that was uh, shot down over Ukraine. Uh, Josh Earnest, the press secretary, said, you know, Russia does not have a great track record when it comes to these things. So, Oh, there we go. As I told you before, like clockwork, now back to MH17, blaming Russia for somehow mishandling the M they weren't involved in the MH17 uh, investigation. But, hey, don't let facts and truth uh, ever slow down Washington, D.C., because they're on a roll right now. It sounds like, from what the president is saying there, he said, you know, we don't know definitively yet what happened to that plane. He wants to get to the bottom of it. Uh, but at this point, he, he, he is really signaling that the U.S. might take on a greater role in this investigation uh, and, and really saying there in that interview, which I think is very important, that there was a possible bomb on board. Uh, that is much farther than anybody in this administration has gone uh, at this point. Well, yes, it certainly has. <laughs> I'm trying not to laugh here because it is kind of funny when you step back and you look at this, you know, so it, it's uh, the president has really gone out on a limb to say it was possible there was a bomb, which is further than anybody has uh, has gone out and said. So it's uh, you try not to laugh. You try not to laugh, but it does sound funny. It really does. So maybe, sort of, possibly, 
What do they got next for us? Let's see. Our breaking news, President Obama now says it's certainly possible that an ISIS bomb... No, see, that's now it's certainly possible. This was about an hour later, so it went from possible to certainly possible. Wolf Blitzer. Brilliant. Brought down the Russian airliner over Sinai, killing 224 people. So it's not it's not just possible now. It's certainly possible. Okay. So back to the CNN's battery of analysts and uh, experts. Peter Bergen, who the the Australian who works for CNN, and I feel bad for this guy. Okay. He absolutely looks like he must be stuck in a contract, or he's got divorce payments, or he is. You know, it got a double mortgage payment that he has to meet every month because he looks so stressed out every time he's on one of these segments. Okay. He looks like he wants to get out. Like any self respecting Australian, I've done my time in New York. I want to get back, live the good life in Byron Bay or get a nice house on the beach uh, just north of Melbourne or something. Okay. He does not want to be here to do this you can see the stress on this guy he looks like he's aged 20 years in the last five years so he's gone and he's having to carry this talking point uh maybe possibly certainly possible but again we don't want to speculate listen to the double speak here by and i feel sorry for peter bergen but you know here he is basically taking the ball and running five yards for cnn oh peter bergen you spent years studying all these terrorist groups does this have the isis fingerprints on it well, we don't know, but I, I think it's pretty unusual for the British Prime Minister to set, come out publicly with such a strong statement if they didn't feel very strongly uh, that this was uh, very likely the case. <laughs> so, you know, great language. So uh, he wouldn't uh, come out if he uh, didn't feel uh, sort of possibly that it was uh, sort of likely the case. So uh, they didn't feel certain that it was possibly maybe likely the case. So certain Certain is a word that means certain. Possibly, maybe is possibly, maybe. You put those two together, you have Orwellian doublespeak in the same sentence, okay? And he said, if this never happens, a British prime minister would never come out. Of course, they did, MH17. They said it was the, the you know, the Russian-backed rebels did it. So they have done that before. So again, more rip, misrepresenting of truth, uh, more glossing over of, of history by media operatives. Let's hear what he has to say. Uh, the British, by the way, have gone to Sharm el-Sheikh airport and they, they found the security there to be very lacking. I talked to a British official last night who said that. And what is the name of that British official, uh, Peter? Can you tell us who he is? Uh, of course not. The security was inconsistent, poorly supervised, uh, and that's you know, one of the key reasons that they suspended flights. Whether, whatever the outcome is with uh, the investigation, they don't think Sharm el-Sheikh is a safe airport. TSA can... can Okay, so now Sharm el-Sheikh is not a safe airport, okay? And, uh, okay, great. So that's interesting. Sharm el-Sheikh, according now to CNN, is unsafe. And the British have arrived. Uh, so, you know, the, uh, the cavalry has arrived. The British have arrived, and they've dubbed it. According to an unnamed official, the British say it's not safe. They say it's poor security. According to Peter Bergen, of course, we don't know who he spoke to because he won't tell us because it's just so top secret. So here's Barbara Starr now. Pocaralis is back. Yeah, so Putin's in hiding, says Barbara Starr. So she, she might as well have a fag hanging out of a corner of her mouth, a cigarette 
you know, if you're, if you're from Britain, it's a fag, but a cigarette, you know, butt hanging out the corner of her mouth. This woman is so rough. Listen to this. Up first, let's go to our Pentagon correspondent, Barbara Starr. Barbara, you have new details about why U.S. intelligence now believes this was a bomb plot. What are you learning? Well, Wolf, technically the intelligence community will tell you they have still not come to a conclusion. They hold open the possibility it was some kind of mechanical or structural failure of the aircraft. But, in fact, shortly after the uh, crash of the Russian airliner, the U.S. intelligence community did monitor chatter from an ISIS affiliate in the Sinai Peninsula to some other entity in a terrorist organization, not telling us who, and that... Not telling us who, of course not. Chatter discussed the attack on the Russian airliner, discussed it in terms of a bomb, the airplane crashing, some details about all of it. That is what got the attention of both U.S. and British intelligence services so quickly after this plane crash. That is one of the key pieces of intelligence that they are looking at. So she's calling that a key piece of intelligence. But it's not evidence, you see. For all I know, it's a couple of tweets and some Facebook posts and maybe a bit of Snapchat. But it's not evidence. So what, intelligence? I didn't know that was a thing. So intelligence is now a thing. So I have a pile of intelligence here. That, that, that's interesting. Let's let's break. Let's let's look at that for a minute. So I've got a big stack of intelligence here on my desk, and I'm going through it. <laughs> It's not a real thing. Intelligence is not a thing. But so Barbara Starr has now created, CNN's created it to make it a tangible item. Okay. Evidence is real. Okay. I have evidence. I have paper. It's evidence. It's, uh, it's analysis reports. And, uh, but it's not intel. What's intelligence? What is it? It could be imaginary for all we know. And, and, and in fact, it has been in the past. Why can't they say definitively? Why are we still caveating maybe a structural failure? Because neither the U.S. nor Britain has any access at the moment to the wreckage of the Russian airliner. The Egyptians and Russians essentially still control... Oh, so there's the talking point we're looking for, Barbara, from the Pentagon, that British and the Americans need access to the wreckage. We need access... We need it now. We can't wait because if it's a terrorist threat, we need to put new security measures into place. So we can't wait for the Russians to do an investigation. That wreckage. And until everybody shares what they know and everybody gets a good look at all the evidence, it may be very difficult for any of the governments involved to come to a firm conclusion. A growing worry inside the Obama administration that the Russians may not, and this is a feeling they have, the Russians may not readily come forward with what they know. Well, we have learned. I mean, CNN is shameless, okay? This is a shameless organization. So they're, they're inserting highly politicized talking points in here. Russia might not share what it knows with, with us. And uh, this is a big worry, a feeling, a feeling that Washington's having. That uh, So Barbara Starr, does, there's no feeling, okay? She's just basically giving propaganda talking points out on CNN, masquerading it as news coverage, okay? Com- completely irresponsible. So the U.S. has politicized this tragedy, which quite possibly is not a bomb, okay? It's very possible it's not a bomb.
Okay, if it is a bomb, I, I would I wouldn't say uh, I would say ISIS didn't do it. You know who probably set that bomb. Okay, so but the, nonetheless, the United States will use it for its own political means. That's how shameless this whole affair is. So here we go. Now this is uh, I think his name is Chance. He's a British correspondent in Moscow who's counting the days before they kick him out of the country because he's so outrageous. And here he is again uh, doing little digs at Putin, little side swipes. Uh, so now they're saying, again, this is demonizing Vladimir Putin. So it's funny that a Russian airline gets uh, goes down, crashes, 220-odd people die, and all the U.S. is doing is having a go at Putin. Like it's uh, it's his fault, uh, Russia's been done this, they're lax at this, they're corrupt, they're this. Shamelessly using a tragedy to gain some sort of point somehow. This is disgusting, but yet this is what's going on in the U.S. media. Listen to Mr. Chance in Moscow. Great name, by the way. Thanks very much. So while the United States is leaving the door wide open to bomb theories, the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, insists mechanical failure is still a very real possibility. The White House says it's not confident that Putin will be entirely truthful about this investigation. So that Putin might be lying now. So they've already accused him of lying, not being truthful. These are all standard U.S. talking points to discredit Russia, its leadership, Vladimir Putin. And eventually where this leads is they they want to basically shame the Russian people for uh, allowing this dictator to run the country and blah, blah, blah. This is how they justify wars. Okay, it's what they did with. Saddam Hussein is what they're doing to Bashar al-Assad. It's what they did to Muammar Gaddafi. Of course, it's uh, it's no, they're not going to get very far with Russia, of course, but they'll continue on with the uh, media operation. Listen. Our senior international correspondent, Matthew Chance, is joining us now live from Moscow. Matthew, Russians are knocking down claims of a bomb. Have Russian investigators provided any explanations for their doubts? Well, to be clear, they're not ruling out the possibility that this was a terrorist act. That it- so, so how dare Wolf Blitzer demand that Russia explain why they have doubts that it was a terrorist attack? Do they are, can they explain themselves? Wolf is saying, how dare they have doubts about a terrorist incident? Because that's what we're saying in Washington. So Russia should explain itself. Why is it trying to hide uh, the possibility of it being a terrorist attack? Again, rampant speculation and moving people away from the more likely explanation, which is probably mechanical failure. But uh, listen here. That it was a bomb. They're just saying that at the moment the investigation has not given us the, the, the evidence, not given them the evidence uh, that sustains that theory. And, and, and what the Russians are saying is that we want the the evidence to come from the investigation, and then we can start to draw conclusions. The problem is with that is that the Russian Federal Aviation uh, uh, Agency uh, says that, look, it could be several months before the, the investigation is complete and the conclusions have been drawn. You know, meanwhile, you know, the United States and the UK, of course, have come up with their own sort of assessment of the situation. Uh, the Russians have been quite indignant. Okay, that's about the only truthful thing that Matthew Chance is going to tell you there, which is the U.S. and Britain have come up with their own explanation of events. They don't have investigators on the ground. They don't know what's going on, but they've come up with their own investigation, their own version of events, which is more than likely a fictional version of events. 
at that. The, the foreign ministry saying, look, you know, we are shocked that if there is any intelligence information that the UK, I think they were referring to specifically, but this would refer to the US as well, we're shocked that any information you've got has not been shared with the Russians. And so, look, it's politically sensitive, of course. Uh, the Russians hate the idea that this could be a bomb because it would imply that uh, this is blowback for their campaign in Syria. And that's something the Kremlin, I think, feels very... So there's a very sophisticated little propaganda spin by Matthew Chance. So he's saying the Russians, in his mind, and he wants you to believe this, okay, CNN wants you to believe this, that the Russians don't want it to be a bomb because it would imply that this is blowback from them getting involved in Syria. And, of course, this is a beautiful Pentagon little propaganda point, which is that this is blowback. And, again, this goes back to our original part of the script, which is Russia's getting theirs. They're getting what they deserved for getting involved in Washington's war uh, against uh, the so-called terrorists, which Washington can't seem to ever hit. Very, very uncomfortable about it. But it is an international investigation, Wolf. They're not going to be, be able to hide the truth. As you know, uh, Russia... They're not going to be able to hide the truth. So Matthew Chance is implying that Russia is going to hide the truth. This is unbelievable. So using a tragedy, shameless. These people are the lowest of the low. These are the bottom feeders in terms of media operatives. They will go to... They, no, nothing is too low. No depth is too low for these guys to go down into the detritus of media operativeness, okay? Insinuating that Russia is hiding the truth. Incredible. Today announced they were grounding all their Metrojet A321s, but why didn't they do this immediately? Um, I, I don't know is the short answer to that, why they didn't immediately. That, that perhaps it, it, it's some kind of, you know, inertia in the system here. You know, the Russians have always been really bad at, you know, at, you know, um, you know, you know, you know, he sounds like Tony Blair. You know, you know, you know, you know, you know, the Russians have been bad, you know, traditionally bad at, at, at handling these sort of things. Solving the, the, the problem, making sure that these kinds of air crashes don't happen in the future. I mean, there's been something like 20 complete hull losses in Russia over the course of the past 20 years. It's got the, one of the worst records for aviation safety uh, in the entire world. Uh, and one of the reasons for that is they're very good at apportioning blame, but not very good at addressing the root causes. I mean, hopefully on this occasion, whatever the outcome of the investigation is, they will take adequate steps to stop so many planes from Russia crashing. Keyword, hopefully abs are Matthew. Thanks very much. Absolutely disgusting what you just heard there, okay? That, you know, the, Russia's finally going to pull their finger out and, you know, put an end to all these planes crashing, okay? And it, so if, so there's, on one hand, this is very clever. On one hand, they're saying that it's a terrorist event, the United States and Britain, and Matthew Chance is British, so he's probably a so he's a British operative, okay. But anyway, he's working on this. He's playing for the same team, okay. And on one hand, they're calling it a terrorist event. Then on the other hand, they're blaming the Russian aviation authorities for this being the latest in a long series of crashing planes over the last twenty years. I wonder how many crashes U.S. have been involved in in the last twenty years. Is it more than Russia? It probably is. So he's calling Russia the worst in the world for aviation disasters. 
this thing. I believe that's what he just said. Okay. But is it worse than the United States? Well, let's uh, that 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 there's probably a website that ranks that, and I'm sure you'll you'll listeners will find that. But isn't that a horrible comment he just made? So so using that twisted logic that Matthew Chance and CNN are used there, then why don't we blame? Uh, then they should turn around and blame the U.S. authorities for allowing uh, American Airlines planes to crash into uh, the World Trade Center. And crash into the Pentagon, you know. When are the U.S. going to stop these planes from crashing into buildings? You know, you, if, if they were to apply uh, equally that sort of talking point. So there's another operative, Lisa LeBeau, I believe that's her name. She's a media operative for CNN. She's got this kind of very smug look on her face every time she gives a report, which I find very uncomfortable. But um, she's, uh, yeah, she's she's one of the. Uh, believe she's a fan of Netanyahu and uh, here she goes so basically again Russia sinister plot developing now this is now this is this afternoon so this is over 24 hours into the narrative CNN is now it's absolutely a sinister plot by Russia and we should be absolutely suspicious of what they're up to global affairs correspondent Elise Labatt is looking into all of this Elise if ISIS did do this uh, how would it change the equation potentially for Russia well, Wolf, you're right. The Kremlin continues to dismiss the British conclusion backed by U.S. officials that a bomb brought down the Russian jet. Okay, did you hear that? She said British conclusion. So before it was the British believe that it's possible. Now Lisa LeBeau comes in and says the British conclusion that it was a bomb. Okay, the British themselves have not even released such a statement. So are these journalists here for CNN? these correspondents, are they operatives? Because if they were journalists, they wouldn't say that the British have concluded it was a bomb because the British haven't. Okay? I'm picking this up. And I think most people can pick it up when you, when you line it up like we've done for you here. Listen to this operative continue. But if the suspicions prove true, President Vladimir Putin's record of dealing with terrorists suggests his response will be tough and is likely to intensify his military intervention in Syria. Vladimir Putin delivering a message of assurance to a grieving and fearful Russian public, as evidence mounts that ISIS may have brought down the airliner. We will always be protecting your interests, especially in difficult, critical situations like Libya, Syria, or Yemen. Putin wasn't ready to concede it was a terrorist act, but today, the British Prime Minister left little doubt. We cannot be certain that the Russian airliner was brought down by a terrorist bomb, but it looks increasingly likely that that was the case. Okay, there's great doublespeak by a man who should know how to do it, which is David Cameron. So Lisa LeBeau, 30 seconds ago, she said the British conclusion that there was a bomb. And there you have the British Prime Minister in the exact same segment where she's doing the voiceover saying that we cannot conclude that it was a bomb. I mean, this is incredible. This is the, the so again, back to our three Ds, distract, distort, and deflect. This is a 3D operation of disinformation. And CNN is running it and conducting it like the maestros that they are. None of it has any reflection in reality at all. This is pure propaganda. They've got it down. It, this is a circus 
of propaganda like they've got it down to a fine art. They blast you with this for two or three days straight, and you basically are completely numb after that. You do not want to question the official narrative at all. This is how it works, okay? Global affairs correspondent Elise Labatt is looking into all of this. Elise, if ISIS did do this... Okay, so anyway, we had enough of that. So, again... Uh, I don't know if we can... How would it change the equation? Yeah, we can't fast forward. But um, So this moves on to, okay, now come the Warhawks. We're coming to the the sort of final death blows here. Tom Cotton, Senator Tom Cotton, the biggest Warhawk in the United States, the 36-year-old senator, I think he's 36 or something like this, this is the man the Republicans would like to run for president. This will be the next George Bush this is a guy who wants to, he loves Guantanamo, believes it should be open, believes we should have more of them, believes that we need to torture everybody to get, you know, information. They're all enemies of America, blah, 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 doesn't like to process, loves to bomb, wants to see rivers of blood flowing around the world, and wouldn't mind setting off a couple of nuclear weapons, possibly. So he wants to basically show tough with Putin. Okay, this is Tom Cotton who received millions of dollars from the Israeli lobby and who basically got him elected in Arkansas. Okay, so he was the big, uh, signed the letter against the Iran deal delivered to the Iranian government saying that they're going to repeal it as soon as the Republican gets in office, etc. Here he is on CNN given a prominent position and he's going to lay into Putin pretty hard. Okay. Very much. And joining us now is Senator Tom Cotton. He's the Arkansas Republican. He's a key member of both the Armed Services and the Intelligence Committees. He's a combat veteran who served in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, Senator, thanks very much for coming in. Yeah, thanks, Walt. Uh, what are you hearing? What's the latest specific information you're hearing about why that Russian airliner went down with 224 people on board? Well, Wolf, I've received several briefings this week about the Russian airliner going down. Much of that is classified information. Uh, but So I can't talk about it. Okay, I, I, I see, Tom. So what are you hearing, Wolf says? What are you hearing? It's like the shoeshine boy. What have you heard? What have you heard on the grapevine? Let me hear it from Tom. But let's just look at what's been said publicly. Senior U.K. officials say there's a significant possibility that this was a bomb planted on the plane. Islamic State uh, officials or leaders uh, in the Sinai say that they took the plane down. They do have a history, though, of making exaggerated claims. And as you were just saying, Russian officials have been denying that there's any conclusions you can draw. So I think for the time being, we should wait for the investigation to be completed. We should especially work with our Egyptian partners before we jump to conclusions. But it does raise a... Now, that sounds all reasonable. So that was about the only reasonable thing you'll hear from this guy before he just basically goes off on one. So now here he goes. <laughs> now listen to this. So he just gave you the... So that was that was basically 20 seconds, uh, making him sound like he's even-handed. Now he'll go for his war hawking. A couple important points. One, Vladimir Putin is a former KGB spy. He will use this incident however he can to solidify his control at home to continue to get more support for his policies abroad. There's no doubt about that. And two, the Islamic State is present in the Sinai of Egypt. America has hundreds of troops there as part of our multinational forces observer. Oh, America's got troops in the Sinai. So they're now under threat. They're now in danger because of this terrorist menace. Who was there already? They've already told you that they've been active there for years and yada, yada, yada. But now they're they're basically now introducing U.S. peacekeeping troops and we'll, 
we'll show you more about that in a minute. Observer team, and Egypt is a critical country in the Middle East. 80 million people live in Egypt. And the presence of the Islamic State there, the threat that they pose to tourism, whether it's in Sharm el-Sheikh or at the pyramids and the sphinxes, which is an important part of Egypt's economy, raises real, real doubts about the president's policy for countering the Islamic State because it's metastasizing all across the region. So basically, if Tom Cotton is majority of his funding comes from the Israeli lobby, millions of dollars, okay, then you it's pretty certain that when Senator Tom Cotton talks, he is a mouthpiece of Israel, okay? So when he goes on with the news, they know, his handlers know exactly when he's going on CNN, and they say, right, here's the talking points, and he just gave them to you, which is basically discredit Egypt. Egypt uh, doesn't have a handle on security. Egypt is irresponsible. Egypt is letting things slide out of control, Okay. It, it, this is a beautiful equation, especially if, if Israeli or U.S. intelligence is behind most of these terrorist groups running amok in Egypt. So they create the problem. They cry for the uh, – they, they watch the reaction. We all sit back in awe, and then they pr- want to provide a new solution to it, which is basically uh, maybe more – either a bigger military occupation, or it could, be, it could also be Israel wants the U.S. out. Because that peace, listen, that peacekeeping 700 American troops in the Sinai in Egypt, they're there to monitor uh, activity between, guess who, Israel and Egypt. So who wants them out? Israel would like to get rid of that peacekeeping, because it's quite possible that peacekeeping force is the only thing keeping Israel from doing what it's wanted to do for a very long time, uh, ever since Seven Day War ended, is ever since Yom Kippur and, and so on, they want to take the Sinai for themselves, okay? They had it for a very short period of time. They had to give it back, okay? They, that's part of greater Israel in, in many Israelis' minds. The only thing keeping that is from happening is that peacekeeping force, possibly. Who knows? But wouldn't it be a great pretext, a terrorist event in the Sinai and more terrorist activity continues and gives gives you just another reason why uh, Israel would like to see the back of that peacekeeping force. Through North Africa, throughout the Middle East, into South Asia as well. Here's what President Obama just said about this, uh, this attack, or whatever it was, on this Russian airliner. I think there is a possibility that there was a bomb uh, on board. Uh, and... Uh, we're taking that very seriously. Uh, you know, we know that uh, the procedures we have here in the United States are different than some of the procedures that... Uh... Superior is what the president is saying there. So he's, he's there taking a hit, a bash at Egypt. Uh, ...existed uh, for outbound and inbound flights there. Uh, and uh, we're going to spend a lot of time just making sure that uh, our own investigators and our own intelligence community... Uh, figures out exactly what's going on before we make any definitive uh, pronouncements. But uh, (laughs) So it is a double talk again before we make any definitive pronouncements. They've already made the pronouncements in all the pre-speech stuff. So now the TSA is involved. So this is the uh, coming to the end of the script here. Uh, Bring in the TSA. Here we go. More now joining us here in the Situation Room, the former TSA Administrator John Pistol. He's now the president of Anderson University. Also joining us, our law enforcement analyst, the former FBI Assistant Director Tom Fuentes, our CNN National Security Analyst Peter Bergen, and the former NTSB Managing Director, our CNN Aviation Analyst Peter Goles. Uh, 
uh, John Pistol, take us inside the TSA right now. They got to be learning some lessons. They got to be taking steps. What are they doing? Yeah, so TSA is working with the entire intelligence, law enforcement community, the Homeland Security community to assess the information, the evidence, the intelligence that is available from all sources, and then trying to make decisions, informed decisions, as to what should happen both domestically at the 450 airports here and then at the 275 airports that serve as last points of departure to the U.S. Because the specific concern isn't necessarily that a passenger brought a bomb on board, but a worker there at the airport who had access to the cargo, the catering, may have put a bomb on that plane. Right, and that's, that is a concern because if it's an insider, either witting or unwitting, for example, if somebody was being paid to simply to smuggle guns or drugs or money, contraband on board, and they were unwitting that it was a bomb, that even makes it more complicated. So it really raises the question, what type of vetting were the Egyptian authorities doing at Sharm el-Sheikh Airport of the airport employees? How vulnerable are U.S. aircraft right now? Well, so U.S. aircraft are in a different uh, light because of the security protocols that we have in place here in the U.S. and for any, air, any airplane that comes to the U.S. from those 275 airports. Different levels of security, multiple layers of security, vice that what may be happening there. Having said that, uh, do U.S. airliners at the TSA, other law enforcement authorities, Peter goes, do they need right now to rethink their security measures? Well, they certainly need to watch this investigation very carefully. And if it proves out that it was a terrorist act, they'll do an after-action assessment and they'll adjust where necessary. They're talking about the chatter. Signals Intelligence, ITV, the British television network, is saying they picked up some communications, they're eavesdropping on these terrorists, and that's what's leading them to this con The only chatter, sorry to butt in, Wolf, but look, the only chatter here that's going on is a plethora of chatter from CNN and some of these media talking heads. That's where all the chatter's coming from. And all the chatter's coming out of the uh, Pentagon and the State Department. Where is, what is just chatter? Chatter. So we know it's a bomb because there's chatter, okay? The chatter is coming from the U.S. media. Conclusion, is that kind of evidence good enough usually, Tom Fuentes? No, I don't think it's good enough. It's, it can be lead material. It can be an indicator. But, you know, the people, if they're talking in the chatter of specific information that only insiders would know, that's one thing. The rest of it, to me, is nothing more than a digital form of gossip of people chattering with each other going, oh, did you hear that? Do you think they did this? How'd they do that? Oh, wow, it's exciting. And it's not from informed people involved in the plot. So there's Tom Fuentes, former FBI director. Now there's a guy with a brain, okay? He just basically, in a very nice way, told Wolf that this is a load of you-know-what, okay? So that's Tom Fuentes. So we give him a little medal of honor for uh, sticking his uh, neck out. Well, he should anyway. They get paid enough. British are uh, uh, going a bit further out there speculating it was a bomb by an ISIS-affiliated yeah. group or ISIS itself. Peter Bergen, you spent years studying all these terrorist groups. Does this have the ISIS fingerprints on it? Well, we don't know, but I, I think it's pretty unusual for the British Prime Minister to set, come out publicly with such a strong statement. If they yeah, very unusual, Peter. Very unusual. So there, so that's that's CN, That's two days of CNN propaganda. I left out quite a bit. Uh, you should have heard what Anderson Cooper was spinning tonight. We didn't have time to get, but I think you got the idea. So basically, it, it's a whole script that's developed, and it's done out of thin air. They did basically just spun this out of nothing. So just to reiterate, these are these are the Pentagon and the U.S. talking points. This is an absolute. This is 
I don't know how to describe it. Porno- this is pornographic, uh, what CNN's been doing the last three days. It's just total pornography. Um, so uh, Russia uh, is basically enraged ISIS. Talking point number one, Russia has enraged ISIS. Okay, so of course uh, the U.S. and Britain blaming ISIS. Uh, of course, it's uh, why not? You know, blame I- You can blame ISIS for anything. U.S. intelligence could could have one of their operatives put a bomb on, or Israeli intelligence could do it uh, to basically send a warning shot to Russia. You know, a lot of people believe that the uh, bombing of the Marine barracks in Beirut was done by Israeli operatives, basically to tell send the U.S. a message: get the hell out of our backyard. So, th- th- this is people have made that argument before. It's never fully proven who was responsible. Okay, they people have uh, an idea who they think is responsible, but you never really know, or who assassinated Rafiq Hariri uh, in Beirut in 2005. You don't actually know. Military grade explosives buried under the uh, the the road uh, took him out, left a crater. I don't know, five feet deep. Don't think that's standard uh, terrorist uh, stuff, really. So, who has the capability to do that? Well, of course, Israel does. But never, you'll never hear them ever implicated ever on CNN for anything, practically. It's uh, ISIS. Easy to blame ISIS. Just blame ISIS. And that helps the narrative. That helps to propagate the whole mythology and, and it keeps, keeps the show running. So, uh, again, here's the second talking point. The Russian economy is in tatters because of U.S. and European sanctions. And uh, therefore, the airline had was been carrying debt and could not pay its staff for two months, and therefore, staff were liable to bribes for people to uh, put the uh, bomb on the plane. Yeah, right. Okay, talk about speculation. That's an interesting one. So, what Russian would want to blow up his own plane, kill his own citizens? I, I unbelievable. But this is one of the talking points that's being spun. Third one, Russia is hiding evidence, hiding information from the West. Why? Because that's what they do. They're evil. Putin's doing that. They don't want to ever address the root cause of uh, the problem. So Russian aviation air investigators can't be trusted with such an important investigation. And look what they did with MH17. Again, more lies piled on top of lies. But this is what's circulating Next talking point, the world, the U.S., mean the world, they said, which means the U.S. and the U.K., the world cannot wait for Russia to conclude a proper investigation, which could take months, right? We can't wait. We need we need you to say it's, say it's ISIS now. And why aren't you saying it's ISIS, okay? So, of course not. They can't risk letting facts get in the way of this uh, spun-up war on terror narrative, okay? So they can't afford Russia to do investigation. We need it to be terrorism. We need it now. So, uh, again, this is hurting Putin at home. This is another talking point. The secondary cycle, spin cycle on that is Russia's being drawn further into a quagmire. Uh, Possible reverse spin on that is Putin is using this to bolster his popularity, uh, showing that he's protecting his domestic citizens, um, uh, by increasing airstrikes in Syria as a result of this ISIS bombing of the plane. Speculation on top of speculation on top of speculation. This is what we're seeing in the U.S. media anyway. So uh, these are all, it, 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 these are interesting. So these are all things that the U.S. and P- 
people like the U.S., Israel, they're projecting onto Russia all of these sort of realities. This is propaganda. It's total projection. So, and U.S. back home talking point, TSA must take more precautions. Uh, we need to ramp up the police state at home. Uh, this is just uh, another shot in the arm for the ever-dying corpse that is the International Security Theater. Dump out your toothpaste and your little shampoo bottles. Uh, could be liquid explosives, they're told, even though it's never been proven. That you can actually mix any of that in a airport toilet. So th th there's lots of subconscious psychological operations going on here, and it's really important that we're pointing these out so people can identify how these are being spun in the media and by who and some of the techniques that they use. So this is based, the, the, this quite possibly is a complete psyop planted by the U.S., mainly for American audiences because Europeans are not going to absolutely fall for this in the same way that Americans would. Um, but this is mainly for U.S. audiences. They're prepping the United States for a confrontation, a military, either arms build up over the next 10 years or uh, you know, with intermittent military confrontations with, with Russia. So this is all part of uh, getting a new arms race going, basically. That's the way I see it. And also to try to, the subconscious uh, undertones here are that Russia sort of deserves this because they shot down MH17 and covered it up. Okay, this is the subconscious subtext the U.S. is inferring there. This is, You hear this tone in all the sort of commentary. Um, again, very clever. So uh, the U.S., but the U.S. is essentially using someone else's tragedy here to bolster their own dialectical narrative. Okay. They won't push it out there long enough, 72 hours, whatever it takes for it to sink in, then they'll pull back. And some new evidence will come to light, and they'll say, oh, actually, no, it looks like it was a mechanical failure. And moving, they'll move on to the next crisis. But the damage is already done, you see. And there's various sub-points as well lacks safety at Egyptian airports and uh, Egyptians are irresponsible and don't have a handle on security. Well, it's easy to say that, especially if you're, if you're fueling the terrorist problem in their country, it's easy to criticize them for not doing enough. Okay. So you know, Russia's crashing planes. Uh, this is the worst attack since nine 11. We don't know if it's a terrorist attack, but it's already the worst one since nine 11. Uh, so these are all the sub subplots. So who benefits Okay, that that that's really what you have to look at in kind of in a wrap up here. Who benefits? Well, if if it is if it isn't a terrorist attack or if it is a bomb, the U.S. and the U.K. benefit because that's their wheelhouse. You see, so it makes them relevant in a time when the U.S. and, and NATO are being pushed out of Syria. Russia's kicking ass in Syria, to put it crudely or bluntly. Um, ISIS is in disarray. The al-Nusra Front, which many believe are what the U.S. and the CIA have been working with in terms of their moderate rebels, are really al-Nusra Front, which is al-Qaeda in Syria. That's who they've been working with. Many people believe this. This is shown, borne out by a lot of evidence as well. Uh, so U.S., U.K., irrelevant in Syria, increasingly irrelevant. Assad's still in power. They're upset. This makes This brings them back into relevance back into media coverage, lots of face time for uh, war hawks and U.S. politicians, calls for a, build, a rebuild up of the police state in the light of this great tragedy. Potentially this hurts Putin. So this is great for 
for the U.S. and the U.K. Does Russia benefit? Uh, no, they don't benefit from this at all. So there's no motive there. Israel, uh, yeah, actually, uh, create tension in the Sinai, uh, potentially move U.S. troops out, uh, make Egypt look bad, send a strong message, stay out. USS Liberty, false flag, possibly bait some, pull somebody in uh, to the conflict further, like they did with the USS Liberty or tried to do. Are they doing that with Russia? I don't know. But certainly it's as plausible, considering there was a major uh, Israeli military drill 40 miles away when that plane went down with all their best hardware in position. That, my friends, is a fact. So, uh, does ISIS and Al-Qaeda benefit? Yes, of course. Uh, if they were real, though, I would say no, because no one takes credit for it. That's weird. You'd think that a terrorist group would want to take credit for it immediately and not put up a fake video. But that's what happened. So, But if they are fake, if Al-Qaeda and ISIS are COINTELPRO, then yes, they do benefit if they're COINTELPRO. So, uh, but that's a hard intellectual leap for some people. Um, I, you know, but we try to basically help you get your head around that. But yeah, if so, if ISIS is real, they don't really benefit from doing that at all. I mean, they just incur the wrath of Russia, which is not good. Uh, if they were fake, yes. If they're COINTELPRO, yes, then it, they're great beneficiaries. Does Saudi benefit? Saudi Arabia, we haven't talked about them Uh Yes, Saudi benefits. Uh, they can. It's a little back-channel message to Russia. Don't mess with us. You know, the Al ISIS are our guys. Al-Qaeda are our guys. Um, stay out of our business, basically. And uh, you can expect more of that if you keep your business, um, keep your nose in our business. So that could be, could be a message by Saudi Arabia. You know, who knows? Does Saudi have the capability of doing that? Well, it's known that they're funding and running a lot of terrorist cells or people in Saudi Arabia. So I would say, yes, it's possible that uh, uh, Saudi Arabia or people from Saudi might be involved. Uh, that's not a big stretch of the imagination. So, again, we've given you uh, some good you know, explanations there about what's more plausible than what you're hearing on CNN. So, but... Uh, that's basically what we've got. Now, if you tune in to the Sunday Wire on Sunday, we're going to have a very special guest on who knows a thing or two about uh, airline disasters and flying commercial airliners and the Boeing uninterruptible autopilot system, Boeing and Airbus uh, fly-by-wire systems, which could very well be uh, involved in this particular crash. We don't know, but it's certainly worth discussing. So... His name is Field McConnell. He'll be on the Sunday Wire live on Sunday at the usual time, plus another guest. That's going to be a powerful show. You don't want to miss that. We've gone way over time tonight, but let me tell you, this is really important, I think. And uh, you know, this is something that when you see this is a, potentially a pretext to a bigger conflict, uh, they're really demonizing. They're going hell for leather to really stick it to Russia. And personally, I think... If it, you know, in, in light of a tragedy with so many people died, I think it's somewhat shameful, in my opinion. So that's all we're saying here, and uh, we'd like to see 
you know, we'd like to see something better come out of this in the end than just rampant speculation and demonizing Russia, because this is actually a tragedy. And I think that's the most important thing. This is the thing that, that the U.S. media seem to have forgotten. Uh, no sensitivity whatsoever. But, of course, they, if they were Americans on board, they'd be much more sensitive about it, I'm sure. But because they're Russians, well, we'll just run roughshod over the whole thing. That's the way. That's the way I see it. So... It, totally irresponsible in terms of media coverage, but what do you expect? We don't expect much. Anyway, this has been a special broadcast. This is a maiden voyage, the midweek report, midweek wire report. We might just do this on a regular basis. We're working out the details uh, right now with, with alternate current radio. We're doing some technical juggling and stuff like that and uh i'm not sure if we've got a producer on the line hesher if he's there i'm not sure if you're listening hesher but um if you are hey, there hey hesher um this, so this is hesher he's uh he's our board operator and he's usually running the show uh for the sunday wire every sunday and so so i was just telling our, our listeners here hesher that um yeah we're working on this midweek wire and um we're, we've got a few things we need to iron out, but obviously uh, we think we can we think we can pull it off on a weekly basis. Yeah, yeah, it sounded really good tonight. Uh, great report. It, it did go a little bit long, but uh, man, I don't see how we could have made it any shorter. That was a really good rundown. I was uh, completely blown away by some of some of the clips you played. It's it's uh, it's absolutely ridiculous. I, I really liked the point you were making about. Uh, intelligence versus evidence i mean i think that's the big thing here i saw no sources all this talk about chatter and possibilities i mean what a mess yeah yeah it is and it's it's some of the comments made by some of these media operatives is shameful really if you consider what's what's going on here and what's at stake it's um I'm, I'm, it is kind of shocking, but I guess we're so used to it here at ACR because we dissect and deconstruct this stuff on a weekly basis. But, you know, they, <laughs> there's new lows that they can hit. Don't ever think that they've gotten to the bottom, you know. So I, I'm, That never ceases to amaze me just, just how, how low the – where is the actual bottom of the barrel? I mean, it just seems like we're just swimming in sludge and, and they're constantly searching and doing their best to show us just how low – they can go these these people you know they, they should be wearing military uniforms because they are war operatives at this point absolutely i couldn't have said it better myself hesher thank you so much for uh, chiming in and for for staying up late uh i promise if we do this again it's going to be a lot shorter um we'll, we'll try to cap it in within an hour but uh I uh, just uh, had, felt like we had to get through this whole thing and analyze this properly. So thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Hesher and ACR, for letting us do this tonight. You bet. Looking forward to hearing more of these. We're going to do midweek wires. We're looking forward to uh, hearing what you're going to bring, Patrick, each week. No, we'll definitely, we're going to bring it. We're going to bring it hard. We're going to bring it, make sure it's special, as we normally do. So this is your host, Patrick Henningsen, and this is the Midweek Wire Special report, maiden voyage, breaking down what I think is probably one of the big, most important news stories right now today. And this is for you, uh, our 21st Century Wire readers, listeners, alternate current radio audience, all the chat people in the chat room, moshing up. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you on Sunday for the Sunday Wire Live. Same place, 
same network. We'll see you then. Ciao. secret for strong joints and a powerful immune system. SharpTech, the product with bite. Visit us at www.sharptech.org. Tune in Sundays at noon Eastern Time or 9 a.m. Pacific Time for the Sunday Wire for three hours of action-packed talk radio on 21stCenturyWire.com and AlternateCurrentRadio.com.